0: Well, welcome. So thankful to have all of you here today. What, a, what an amazing thing. Can you believe Christmas is on Saturday? Man, that happens so quick every year. Hey, we're going to make just a, a, a little announcement. You know, we've, um, One of the things that we prioritize at this church is we prioritize the priority of Christ. Um, we're about Christ. And one of the things that can be a challenge, and I think one of the, the big negative things of this whole COVID thing, the Lord has used it in many ways, but there's constantly new announcements and new changes. And so you can, you can be a church that is constantly talking about COVID things. And one of the decisions that we've made is that we're not going to do that. And um, this Second Corinthians eleven three says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts may be led astray from a sincere, pure devotion to Christ. And so just ongoing with our church, we're going to remain committed to Christ. And And there, there are people who uh, um, every time a new announcement comes out, you think about, okay, what are we going to do now? Um, our church policy has been, and we're just going to leave it here, that we, we trust people to make their own decisions about what they want to do, how they want to respond to things. And so we're just really praying for and encouraging people to decide what they want to do. So when it comes to all those policies from this point forward, um, we'll, we'll, give you, we'll let you know if there are any specific directions. But for the most part, um, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, that's between you and the Lord. And so um, we're going to just leave that there. All right, let's talk about the focus of today. Um, we are, uh, in this Christmas season, have been talking about giving the greatest gift. And Christmas time can be a time that we are so busy and we can be so occupied with so many things that we forget that the greatest treasure in all of life is Jesus himself. The Apostle Paul says that, that I count everything as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And so often at Christmas time, we can, as we think about giving our kids gifts, as we think about giving people gifts that we love, we can be focused on things other than Christ. We can feel like we're blessing our family and blessing our kids when we give them things when we're not giving them Christ. And so uh, the three things that we've uh, been speaking about so far, and the third one will be today the first, the greatest gift any person can have, is the worship of Jesus. And as believers, when we look at people that they love other things about Christmas, but Jesus isn't the primary thing. When we have kids who they're most excited about opening gifts, um, we understand that, right? Because we get excited about opening gifts too. Um, But we look at our kids and we realize if that's what drives them, if that's what they're committed to, if that's what they love, they are missing what is most important in, cri- in Christmas, what is most important in life. And so it's our goal um, in our own heart and in the hearts of others to encourage people to worship Christ. And uh, that is challenging in a man-centered world. The second thing that we considered is, you know, we see that glory and the amazement of Christ, but one of the things that's, that we could struggle with is the fact that we're sinners. We're separated from God. We look at our lives, we see brokenness. We see sin, and the righteousness and holiness of God can be a terrifying thing, and that's what makes forgiveness so significant. We talked about the fact last week that Jesus came to be the Savior of the world, and the most amazing thing about the fact that Jesus came to be the Savior is that you can't mess that up, because Jesus did it. God himself Provided something that we couldn't provide for ourselves, that we couldn't maintain. And so we have forgiveness. And one of the things that we need to recognize is that forgiveness comes not because we try to be good enough. Forgiveness comes when we recognize we're not good enough and we need Christ. So that's what we looked at last week. And then this is the other thing that, that is a tremendous gift as we think about things this Christmas season. The gift of transformation have you ever thought about the way Christ changes life? Um, my favorite verse is uh, 2 corinthians five seventeen and I felt like this was my life verse for many years and people said what 's your life verse and uh, I, I lived as an unbeliever for the first eighteen years of my life and it 's a blessing that it was only eighteen years, but in those eighteen years um, my, my life was so sinful. There were so many things about my life that hurt other people. There were so many ways that I hurt myself with things that I did. And coming to Christ, one of the treasures is to think about in Christ, I am a new creature. Old things have passed away and new things have come. When you look at this world, don't people need transformation? Can you think of people in your life that their lives are just broken because of sin? Uh, just over and over, they bring pain and sorrow into their life. Over and over, they bring pain and sorrow into the lives of people who love them and who are close to them. Man, our world needs transformation. Think about the, the difficulty we see just in culture as a whole. And even with COVID things, the way that people can hate each other and have so much conflict and so much divi- division. When you think about uh, racial struggles, Every time the world tries to solve a problem, it only gets worse. In Christ, there is two true transformation and healing. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Uh, There is hope with Christ. It doesn't matter what you struggle with. It doesn't matter what. Other people in your life are struggling with through Christ, there is the possibility of real change. And for those of us who are believers, we know that eventually our change will be perfect. It will be permanent, though we struggle in this life. Um, We're going to be looking this morning, if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18, and we are going to be considering the fact that Jesus came into this world. And uh, his, Jesus came, and he brings light, and that light is powerfully transforming. The light of Christ, we'll see in this passage, can be and is rejected by some people. Um, but the other thing that we're going to see here is that the light of Christ transforms and changes every person who believes. And so we'll, we'll consider that. Let's look at John chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 1 through 5. Now let's look at this. The light of Christ is powerfully transforming. Let's look at this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It's it's amazing when we come at Christmas time, we think about this human Jesus born to Mary. But one of the things that we understand about Jesus and the celebration of the coming of Jesus is that Jesus, while he was fully human, was not just fully human. Jesus was is the creator. He's the one who made everything that exists. Jesus existed before everything. Um, John 1.14 tells us that Jesus came into the world. His existence didn't start when he was born. That was when he took on flesh. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus is that God himself solved the sin problem that we created. Um, The second thing that we're going to see here if we look at verse 4 is that Jesus provides life, spiritual life. And light. Uh, Jesus came to reverse the effects of the fall. All brokenness, all sinfulness, all darkness, uh, the fact that people's minds don't work and they can't understand truth and, and no matter how many facts people have, they can fight with each other about them and disagree. And the reason that we have those problems is because when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke the world. They broke our minds and we are born sinful. We talked about that last week. But Jesus came to change that. Look what it says in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, Jesus is the only way to overcome the light. You see that power? There's this battle against Jesus' light. In fact, Jesus says this in John 15... He says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Look at John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world You know, there's this battle, this hatred toward God, and there's, this, there's darkness in the world, but the confidence that we as believers have is that Jesus' light cannot be overcome by darkness. Uh, the world would say nobody can change. People can't change, but Jesus proves that that is not true. Uh, the second thing that we're going to see here is that the light of Christ can be and is rejected. Let's look at uh, verse 6 through 11. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. So Jesus comes, and we see God's purpose here. He's, he's, He's raised up John the Baptist to testify about Jesus, and his purpose is that people would believe. It says here in that John was not the light but he came to bear witness about the light the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world and he was in the world and the world was made through him and yet the world did not know him he came to his own people and his own people did not receive him so we see that you know god made the world he made every person in the world and yet the world rejects god uh, the, the Jewish people, the nation that God chose to be a light to the world, those Jewish people rejected Christ. And Jesus is, he's the true light. And so he's come. So where is this light as we consider this? Um, how is it that everybody has light? That's one of the things as we think about the world, for us to understand that every single person in the world has God has shined light in their heart. These are even the people that reject Jesus. This is what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Have you ever thought about that? Um, This verse tells us that every person who lives has God's truth, God's light, placed in their heart, and that by their sinfulness, they suppress it. Um, It goes on, and it says in verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Ever since the creation of the world, the things have been things that, ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish heart was darkened. You know, what, a, what an incredible blessing. As we think about the brokenness of the world, as we think about the people that were around, people who desperately need a transformed life. That as we preach God's word, as we share the gospel with people, sometimes it seems like people, oh, man, I I, I don't believe that. I reject that. We can feel like people are hopeless. But what this tells us is that God has put a knowledge in every single person's heart of what's true. And so as we share and preach the gospel, one of the things that we can have confidence in and that we could know is that deep down inside, every person that we talk to, knows that the things we're telling them are true. And, and so that's why we pray. That's why we ask God to transform hearts. And it's, you know, we can feel sometimes intimidated that we don't know as much as other people. But what a blessing to know that whatever the arguments are, however the conversation goes, that deep inside every person's heart, God has put a knowledge of himself. That this light that Jesus brings into the world is a light for everyone. It is a true light. And as we see people that reject Christ, uh, sometimes that can be challenging. It can be discouraging. And as we see that, we can have comfort that it is never too late for any person while they're on this earth. You know, think about the Apostle Paul. Um, As he's going around, he's studying the scriptures. Um, Jesus talked about the Pharisees and he says, you study the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life but it is these that testify about me. The Apostle Paul was a a Jewish leader who diligently studied the scriptures, and he missed the whole point. And when Stephen was preaching, um, the Apostle Paul was there, and he watched this faithful man of God preach, teach God's word, teach the truth. And the Jews rejected him. They were so angry that they stoned him to death. And one of the amazing things in the book of Acts is that it tells us that while Paul wasn't there throwing rocks at Stephen, Paul was holding everybody's coats while it happened. Paul watched this faithful man who loved Jesus be stoned. And when Paul saw that, he wasn't convicted. Uh, he didn't fall down on his face and think, oh my goodness, we've killed this righteous, innocent man. The Apostle Paul saw that terrible thing happened and his desire, that inspired him. He thought, oh, that is so great. That they stoned Stephen, I want to do this more. And, and that actually inspired Paul to go get letters to go persecute the church. And Paul traveled throughout the land trying to persecute and kill Christians. In fact, that's why Paul was headed to Damascus. And do you remember what happened on the road to Damascus? Um, Jesus intervened in the apostle Paul's life. And, and he... He shows himself to Paul, Paul goes into Damascus, Paul ends up becoming a believer, and what's amazing is that the second half of the book of Acts is talking about what Christ did, or what, what, uh, what Christ did through the Apostle Paul. It is never too late for anyone to change. In fact, when the Apostle Paul is standing before Roman leaders as he's on trial, one of the things that he does is he talks about his testimony is he says, this is what my life was like before I met Christ. And he talks about the way he persecuted the church. And then he says, this is how I met Christ. And he talks about um, that meeting on the road to Damascus. And then he says, and this is what my life has been like since. Paul was incredibly Transformed, And though people reject Christ, it is never too late. And so as we are approaching um, this Christmas season and as we're thinking about our kids and their heart for the Lord and the people that we're talking to, it's important for us to know that God's placed a light in every person. We're not starting from the beginning. We're not starting with a blank slate. We start with every person with a, with a knowledge of God inside their heart. And we're trying to bring that to the surface. And we're praying that God would soften their heart and their mind so that they would see who Jesus is. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 12 through 18. And this is the amazing thing is while there are many who do reject Christ, there is true transformation available for everyone who receives Jesus, and who believes in him. Let's read verse 12. This contrast, this hope, this good news. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then to verse 14, he's going to talk about Jesus who came to accomplish this. And what he says in verse 14, and the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks higher ranks before me because he was before me and from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through moses grace and truth came through jesus christ no one has seen god at any time the only god who is at the father's side has made him known when you think about this uh new birth it's supernatural for the Jews, uh, one of the things that they relied on was that they were born into the Jewish nation, God's chosen people. I remember um, uh, when, Michelle, when Michelle and I were younger, before we had kids, she worked in this jewelry store. And uh, her manager was Armenian. Ar- not Armenian, Armenian. <laughs> Armenian. And uh, I remember we were talking, and he was just telling me, oh, yeah, I'm Armenian. And, and, so, and I just wanted to talk to him about the Lord. And that was one of our goals. Every time Michelle had a job, that was a connection. I'm a pastor in a church, but when she had a job, it was awesome because we would make friends with everybody she worked with, and that was our purpose was to share the gospel. And so in one of our earlier conversations, I remember just saying to him, so, um, you know, what do you think about God? What's, do you have any kind of a religious view? Like, wh- where are you? And he says, I told you I'm Armenian. And I said, well, okay, I know. But I'm asking you, like, what are, what are your religious beliefs? And he says, Armenians are Christians. We're all Christians. And, and that's one of the things that I found in multiple conversations with Armenians is they don't, they, they view the fact that they were born Armenian, that makes them a Christian. That's what their Christian heritage is. There are people who years ago, and I don't think this is true today, I don't hear it much, but when I was younger, people used to say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm an American, and people associated Christianity with being an American. You know, this is the crazy thing. Salvation doesn't come through blood. Uh, People are not saved because they're born Jews, God's chosen people. People are not saved because they're born into an Armenian household. And did you know that um, people are not saved because they're born into a house with Christian parents that go to church. See, while we can understand that, sometimes we can think, oh, no, people are in our family, our kids are on our family, and we need to know that nobody is born a Christian. That's not where your kids start. That's not where anybody starts. It doesn't come through our blood. It goes on, and it says, um, who are born again not of blood, um, not of the will of the flesh, You know, that's personal desire. You know, people don't, um, they're not born, they don't go into the the kingdom of heaven simply because of personal desire. Um, That's not where our flesh takes us. We can't save ourselves. Uh, He goes on and he says, not by the will of man. Okay, so your kids aren't born saved. Nobody's born saved. But what do we do as we're ministering to people and encouraging people and as we think about our kids? Can we make... Anybody else be a Christian? Can you take your families and friends and really force them into it? Can we make our kids pray a prayer? Can we make our kids do things? I remember uh, when I had just become a believer, one of the things is my eyes had been opened. All of a sudden I saw life for what it was. And and I just decided I have a bunch of friends that I go to church with, um, grew up with these guys. And guess what? (laughs) None of us were saved. We all went to the same church. We all went to the same Sunday school class. We all spent time together. Our parents all liked each other, and they all hung out together. And while none of the parents knew we weren't saved, I remember going to church and having people at church go, Roger, you are such a promising young man. God will do wonderful things with you. And I would sit there. It was Sunday morning, and I'd spent the uh, the night before on Saturday night drinking. And my goal was to get home before my mom woke me up for church. And so I'm sitting there still intoxicated from the night before. And these people at church, you are such a wonderful man. I wish more people were like you. And I used to just think there, man, if you had any idea what was really going on here. And so I become a Christian. God opens up my eyes. I see salvation for what it is. I see the emptiness of a life apart from Christ. And I decided all these other kids who went to Sunday school with me, who went to church with me, who went to youth group with me, none of them were saved. And I decided I'm going to, I'm going to help them see what God has helped me see. And I remember the conversations I would have with them and just pleading with them and talking to them about um, the emptiness of a sinful life and the blessing of following and obeying Christ. And in a short period of time, none of my friends wanted to be around me. And I realized you can't make somebody be a Christian. I remember my dad was very intellectual and had all these arguments uh, apart from Christianity. He could, he could really debate. And So I go away to Bible college, and I'm taking philosophy, and I'm taking all these classes. And, I'm, and as I'm in college, I am learning all the answers to his arguments. And so I remember going home one summer and just having a conversation with him and saying, Dad, you always raise this objection, let's talk about it. And then I overcame that objection. And then you always say this, and well, let's talk about it. And then I overcame that objection. And after overcoming all of my dad's objections, he didn't become a Christian. He lived four years without a relationship with Christ. And even then I realized that you cannot force another person to come to Christ. That is a work of God in somebody's heart. I remember praying for my dad for years, and I got so frustrated, I just quit praying for him. And uh, probably about five years before my dad became a believer, I was studying this passage, and I just started praying, um, God, save my dad. God reignited this fire in my heart to pray for him. And one of the incredible blessings in my life were the things that God did in his life to bring him to salvation. Every time my dad had a heart attack or a stroke, I used to pray, God, give him more time. And at a certain point, I said, well, that prayer's not working because the Lord keeps giving him more time, but he's not getting saved. And eventually, his time's gonna run out. And so I started praying, God, do something with the time he has left. I started praying that God would change his heart. And that's what it's talking about here where it says that in verse um, 18 or 12 where it says, but to all who did receive him who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Have you thought about that? That God is the one that reaches into hearts. God is the one that allows people to understand. That is not separate from our personal choice but it is a work that god does in our hearts if you thought about acts 16 14 where it says that uh the one who heard was a, a woman named lydia from the city of thyatira who was a worshiper of god and the lord opened her heart to pay attention to the things spoken by paul or when you think about um when paul and barnabas in acts 13 are preaching to the gentiles and it says and the gentiles heard this and they can but they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. The ones that God opened up their heart and worked in their heart. As we pursue the salvation of people, as we try to give the gift of transfer- transformation, as we think about our own lives and the transformation that we need, we recognize that we talk to people, we teach people, we encourage people but it takes God's work in their heart. You know, one of the things that we discover, too, is that when a person has come to know Christ, it transforms their life. A new heart expresses itself in a new life. Look what it says here in Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 6. It says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice, envy, hated by others and hating one another. Um, that kind of describes our world, right? The controversies, political parties, all of those things fit into this. The lifestyles that we see in so many people, that, that's a description of it. And Paul says that was us, that was all of us. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about your life. What was your life like before you met Christ? And how has your life changed? Uh, One of the things I struggled with growing up in church was all the times I prayed to receive Christ. The fact that I had learned and knew all the truth of the gospel. And even though I had prayed and all that stuff, my life never changed. And I wondered when I did pray and say, God, forgive me and come into my life as a senior in high school, um, right as I was graduating, I thought, what makes this different from all the other times I prayed a prayer? And, you know, I didn't really have assurance of salvation for about a year. And about a year later, I looked at my life. All the things that I was doing, the way that I was living, it was completely different. And one of the things I knew is that I didn't change myself. I I just looked at my life and I thought, man, I am a different person today than I was. And it's because God has transformed me. He has changed me. I, I didn't earn my salvation. I didn't. Discipline myself into Christianity, God saved me and worked in my life. Um, isn't that the message that the world gives? That people can't change? Uh, think about this next passage, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral. People living in sexual immorality are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Um, Idolaters, that's people who get up and don't worship God. They they worship things. They worship material things. They have other idols. There are other things that are most significant to them. They don't say, I have given up everything because of the surpassing value of Christ. People who say, ah, Jesus is good, but he's not the most good. I get, I get riches give me more goodness. Or, you know, I'm blessed by other kinds of things. And in their heart, they have idols. And the Bible here says, idolaters do not inherit the kingdom of God. Nor adulterers, people who violate their marriage covenant, they don't inherit the kingdom of God. Nor men who practice homosexuality. Nor thieves, people who steal. Nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And what's the world's view? You cannot tell people they can change. Uh, there are people who are born certain ways. They have certain struggles. They didn't, they didn't choose it It's who they are. People can't change. And that's the message, not just about sexual things. All kinds of things. Alcoholics, oh, they'll never change. Uh, various things in people's lives. But what does this say here? It says, and such were some of you. See, that's what Christ does when he comes into our life. He transforms us. He changes us. It says, but you were washed. That's forgiveness that comes through Christ. You were sanctified. That's the ongoing process of sinning less and honoring the Lord more. The Apostle Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. His battle with his flesh. And he just says, in my heart, I want to do the right thing, but I'm struggling and I find myself doing things that I hate. See, that is the difference between a person who's been born again and a person who's not been born again. We still live in a sinful, broken world. We still have struggles with our flesh. We will never be completely holy or righteous in this life. But in our heart, We hate sinfulness and we desire to be pleasing to God. And that inner desire results in a transformed life. It says, You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. You know, not only can Christians change, but when you become a Christian, you do change. Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is helping us and preparing us to live righteous lives. Romans chapter 6, verse 2 says, How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Um, when God saves us, he transforms us. When we think about Christmas gifts, when we think about what we should be pursuing, the most valuable thing in our life, the most valuable thing that we could ever give anybody is to invite them into a relationship with Christ so that their life could be transformed, so that they could worship Jesus more than anybody else, so that they could take their sin to Christ and be forgiven and be regenerated and be renewed. That is the most valuable, blessed thing that we could bring into anybody's life. And we don't do that by ourselves. We are a tool that God uses, but that's what we need to be praying for. And that's what we need to be thinking about in this Christmas season is to communicate that God came to save people and to regenerate them and to give them new life. Now, Christmas is a wonderful time for us to do that. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And God, I Think about the way that you have transformed so many people's lives. And Lord, we struggle with things and the people that we know struggle with things. And yet, Lord, in, in you, it is possible to change. It is possible to grow. And Lord, as we look around at people who are living life without you, they're in darkness. Um, they worship other things. They, they don't have you as their greatest treasure. God, I pray that you would help us to communicate that to them, that they would see a transformed life in us, and that, Lord, they would want what they see. We ask that you would help us with these things in your name. Amen.